everyone welcome back to coffee connections my name is seth weiner and i am your rockshineer i mean I, I swear you're gonna be like every time he starts his thing he's like the weather's beautiful like seriously i want to turn it's it's gorgeous outside it really is and i don't know it was weird i woke up and it was like 64 67 degrees and i'm like is it really june because it's never like this at this time of year uh but the pool's calling so um you know it's summertime. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope your kids are in camp, and I hope you're enjoying your kids at camp and doing something to enjoy your time. Uh, folks, we got a great show for you today, uh, and let's jump right into it, shall we? Uh, today, I'm really excited about our guests and the organization itself. Uh, we're talking with Erica Greenblatt, the Director of Philanthropic Outreach over at the ADL Southeast Division. Uh, she's the Director of Philanthropic Outreach uh, for the whole division. Uh, when she was de development, excuse me, Director of Development, she led their fundraising and growth across the region's four states. She's uh, increased the campaign, uh, get this, by 50%. And in 2020, this is this is astonishing. In 2020, raised the highest amount on record for the region, in addition to leading on national efforts like the 2020s ADL in concert against hate. Uh, and in uh, April of 2021, she was honored with the uh, Sen Greenberg Award, which is a national ADL award for professional excellence. Uh, she's worked in so many different areas around the country. Uh, she was also worked years ago with the uh, March of the Living as the director of Young Leadership. Um, and she comes from a background of fashion and event planning. I mean, she she used to work with brands like Prada and Chloe. I always say it wrong, Chloe. Uh, yeah, she'll tell you more about that. Uh, folks, we've got it. It's just exciting to have her here, uh, and maybe she'll even do a little karaoke for us. Now, I don't think she'll do that, but ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, uh, Erica. Let me get her into the mix here. Let's see how I do this, and I go like this. I go say one, two, three. There we are. Yeah, that was an amazing introduction, and I was not prepared for all the photos that you had of me. Clearly, you stalked my Facebook, um, uh, and yeah. I don't know whether to feel, you know, violated or just feel really honored. Um, but well, if you feel violated, you know where to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, thanks so much for making the time. Coffee Connections. Hey, Coffee Connections. Are you a coffee drinker? I am a coffee drinker. What's I the chance? you? She has a mug. Let's see what this mug says. Girl boss. All right. Basically. What's the dots? <laughs> Just polka dots. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Are you the boss of your home? 
It's just me here. So oh, uh, no pets. Uh, my plant babies. Hey, they're plants. pets. Yeah. <laughs> so with plants, I mean, do you think do you talk to your plants? Like, what's your what's your take on the whole plant thing? Like, touch, talk. Because some people are like you have to touch your plants, otherwise, you know, these are they're living beings. What's your thoughts? So I haven't named them. I've tried, and then I would just keep forgetting their names. Um, but I do like caress them sometimes. I play them music. I sing songs to them. Um, you mentioned karaoke. Yes, I am a karaoke fiend, and so uh, my plants do get um, special shows, uh, you know, for them. So you know, they're quite special to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess you're well rooted. <laughs> no. uh, so coffee? Do you drink it often? Morning, afternoon? Probably Every not morning. Night. Um, I actually only have one cup a day for the most part, unless mm-hmm. it's a really tough day. And then around like three or four, anytime after that, I am, I'm screwed <laughs> for the rest no, of the no. day. So just in the morning. Are you, a, when you are drinking your coffee, are you um, making it uh, French, French, uh, French press? Or are you doing drip? Or are you a Krug? What you at? So I'm like bougie, but also lazy. So I have an espresso <laughs> machine. Um, and so I make myself lattes every morning. Um, Virtuo is my favorite color. It's the purple one. It's kind of like medium roast and just a little bit of almond milk and that's it. Ready to go. And how's your foam game with that almond milk? So it's foam is really only on the weekend. Um, I mentioned the lazy part. Uh, I just have to go straight to my desk. Got to get to work. So I'm just like pouring some almond, what I actually do is, so I don't have to necessarily like really mix. I do the almond milk first. And then the coffee gets added afterwards. Very special tips. All right. Coffee mix, yeah. (laughs) All right, final coffee question. You're newish to Atlanta. You lost a year of being able to really enjoy coffee shops. But are there any coffee shops that are just like, wow, I really like these? Yeah, the Dancing Goats uh, is a good one. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it used to be really close to... my old Atlanta office. Uh, now it's close to my current apartment. So um, I, I, I like the energy there. It's yeah. good coffee, good latte. Yeah. Well, you know what they say though. You can do. You can drink. Uh, you can drink a latte there, and then you could do goat yoga. Although there's no goats. There are. Well, I mean, not there per se, but there is goat <laughs> yoga in Atlanta. I've heard of this. There is. I've not tried it, but I would like. I to. got invited to a puppy in goat yoga, and the puppy. I don't think. I, I mean, I, maybe I could do a goat yoga. I would have to like, you know, shave and have a goatee, but no. Um, <laughs> You're very funny today. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I feel it. I feel it. All right. Well, let's enough about me. Enough about my puns. Let's talk about the ADL Southeast. I'm going to hand the mic to you. Sure. First, I should mention, and I'm sorry to do this, Seth, um, but that's actually Erica Greenblatt with two T's. So if you Google me or find me on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, as Seth says, just add one more T. And also to add, very important, there is no relation to our ADL CEO, sorry, uh, CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt. We tried, we've looked back in our history, we are not cousins, we're not related. So if you see him on CNN or PBS or MSNBC, which you will, um, invariably, now that I've mentioned it, uh, yeah, no relation. Um, so for those of you who don't know what ADL is, I'm very happy to be here and to share. Uh, ADL is a more than 100-year-old national nonprofit organization. It is an anti-hate organization founded in 1913 around the time of the lynching of Leo Frank. Very famous story here in Atlanta. Um, and uh, it was founded with the mission to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and secure justice and fair treatment for all. So we have always had this mission since our foundings, which essentially means that we fight anti-Semitism, but we also fight all forms of hate against any marginalized person. Uh, 
And we do that through a number of different ways. Um, just we educate, we advocate, and we investigate. So those are kind of the big three buckets that we like to um, talk about when we talk about our programming. So educate is really a proactive approach. Uh, we are in schools all across the country, thousands of schools, engaging our students, our faculty, our parents in no place for hate, which is an anti-bias, anti-bullying framework. And in fact, we have 236 schools engaged in the Southeast region, which covers Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee, uh, that are very engaged in our programming. We also do deeper dive educational programs, a world of difference, which are customized training programs for schools, for communities. Um, and we're starting to get into the corporate sphere and um, doing just a lot of education on Holocaust education and uh, Israel education and anti-Semitic anti anti education and all those different kinds of offerings that we have that fall under our mission. So um, lots of stuff under educate. Um, and then in terms of advocacy, so we have been involved in advocacy since pretty much the founding of our organization. We've been around um, doing the work in civil rights, Brown versus Board of Ed. We filed amicus briefs there. We've done a ton on marriage equality. I mean, really, um, any big civil rights issue of the day, ADL has been involved nationally and federally. Um, and then locally, we've been also doing a ton of advocacy work. So here um, in Georgia, you may recall that last year we passed hate crimes legislation. Um, that was huge. And it didn't just come that year. In fact, ADL Southeast had been working for nearly two decades in coalition with 30 other organizations, like across a swath of backgrounds, um, you know, from LGBTQ organizations to Islamic organizations to Black organizations, and really all minority communities really came together um, to, uh, to work hard in coalition to pass this legislation, which could not have been done without the corporate community too. So we worked really closely with the Metro Atlanta Chamber. We were advocating and lobbying and working on this. And finally last year, hate crime legislation was passed, huge historic win for us, um, and frankly, for the entire Georgia community. So that was a big piece of our advocacy work. Uh, currently working on a bunch of other things as well, voting rights, also really important here in Georgia, LGBTQ rights um, around gender identity, that has been really big, um, particularly in Tennessee, there's been some really ugly bills passed, um, and lots more. So a lot in the advocacy space, and likely that's probably how we're most widely known um, when you think of ADL, if you do, um, you think about our voice and our really loud and proud voice fighting for the marginalized and for all. Um, and then we investigate. So this is actually something that uh, I don't know how many people are aware of, but is probably the coolest part of our work. We have something called our Center on Extremism, which uh, essentially is kind of like an investigative branch of ADL, where we uh, do some research and look into uh, terrorist organizations, into white supremacist groups, into any kind of extremist groups um, and keep files on them, follow them online, follow on social and essentially catch them before they act. We work really closely with law enforcement on sharing important information about um, potential acts of violence um, and have stopped like dozens, if not hundreds of murders and um, really extremist things from happening. Um, that was from our Center on Extremism. And uh, we investigate through other areas. We have our Center for Technology and Society, uh, which works really closely with our Center on Extremism, but more specifically around 
online hate, um, working on legis legislative work too um, in the online sphere. Um, and you know, locally, we have incidents across Georgia, across the four states, which the Southeast covers. And ADL is there to working closely with communities, working closely with leadership on those incidents and ensuring that we respond, whether it's a swastika drawn on a wall, whether it's an extremist group hosting some sort of rally, uh, whether it's actual incident of violence that takes place. Um, we do the research, we work with our center on extremism, and then we provide the intel to our local law enforcement, to local federations, if it's a Jewish, uh, potentially anti-Semitic incident and beyond. So that is under our investigate. Uh, so tons of work the ADL does um, all across the U.S. And of course, I mentioned specifically here in Georgia and across the four states that ADL Southeast covers. Is that everything? Did I get did I get what I need to tell you, Seth? I, I mean, yeah, you, you got a lot. I'm going to work backwards. So the investigation yeah, piece, that was that's really interesting. And, and you're right. I don't think many people are aware of that. Um, but that's a, is that a national piece or is that regionalized? And then like each region has their own kind of prop investigation going on. Great question. So the center on extremism, while it sounds like it's in one place, we actually have analysts um, and people who are undercover all across mm -hmm. the entire United States. Um, and so we have one analyst that's housed here in Atlanta, but she does cover specific. She, so she covers like our region as far as issues that may be occurring in the area or incidents that may be occurring in the area, but she also specialized in specific um, terror groups or extremist groups. Mm. And we also have an undercover um, analyst um, who's based in Alabama, and I can't say anything else besides that. She goes undercover and she finds extremists. Um, mm. And she was actually written up, I think, two years ago in Cosmopolitan magazine. Um, didn't disclose her name, obviously, or take a picture of her, obviously, um, for, for, you know, to protect her. Um, but it was pretty cool that we got that out there in, in Cosmo Magazine, of all places. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. And then, gosh, there's just so much to unpack. There's so much to unpack. <laughs> I mean, let, let's, 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 I mean, just like the, I want to think of the ADL and I think of like all the stuff you just mentioned, it's got to be like a wave. I mean, how much the organization, first of all, has changed in, in since it's since it's you know since it started, uh, but yet it's still fighting the same thing and it goes in waves. I mean, so let's just kind of let's look look at the recent wave, right? Right before Black Lives Matter picked up um, or picked up, but let, let in the beginning of COVID, things were a little bit calm to some extent, and then you know we have the incidents and the Black Lives Matter picks up and. And now uh, I would imagine ADL was involved in working with the other organizations and and I mean, not just helping, but um, but with the knowledge share of like just, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then flash forward to now, like, you know, a month ago with with Israel. And I mean, so where I'm going with this is I think it's kind of interesting is that you have all these partnerships, et cetera. So, you know, with the LGBTSU community and. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's this anti-Israel and which then turned into anti-Semitic mm -hmm. and it's very, it's, it's like this, well, yeah, there's more, it's not just activism, you know, there's, there's, there's a difference of anti-Semitism and activism. And I don't know if you can kind of touch on like yeah. how, how that all processes and anything you want to share on that front. Sure. So Seth, uh, very clearly, uh, illustrated that we are very busy 
um, <laughs> extremely busy. Um, but in fact, I know you mentioned, you know, the recent uptick um, last month in May in regards to the war um, in the Mideast, the Hamas-Gaza, uh, Hamas-Israel war. And we definitely saw a humongous increase in anti-Semitic incidents in the course of May. I think it was 120% increase that we tracked, which we tracked these incidents um, and um, lend data to it. That's a really important part. We need to have mm. data. And so actually, when you said that, um, like, oh, it's been pretty calm until this year, it's actually not the case, uh, believe it or not. Um, it's just mm. been more in the headlines. So I've been at ADL these seven years this August. And when I started, um, I actually didn't think anti-Semitism existed anymore. Oh, how naive I was. Um, I joined in the summer of 2014, and that's when Operation Protective Edge, another Gaza-based um, uh, war and violence uh, occurred. And um, we saw extreme uptick in anti-Semitism. And then literally every single year since I started, it's grown and grown and grown. Um, so we have something called our audit of anti-Semitic incidents uh, that we release every April, where we dissect all of the incidents that occurred the year prior. Um, 2020 and 2019 were the two highest year on record ever. We started doing this work in the 1970s, tracking anti-Semitic incidents and the highest two years ever. Um, based on what we've seen thus far in 2021, there's no question that this is going to be even higher, um, which is really quite scary um, to think about. Mm -hmm. And um, I should mention, too, it's the beginning of COVID. Um, there are a lot of other kinds of issues um, going around around COVID um, against the anti-Semitic, um, anti excuse me, the Jewish community. Um, and against the AAPI community, right? The Asian, um, right. Asian mm -hmm. Islander community. So we were tracking that pretty heavily in the beginning of COVID. We started to see some um, some rumors being spread, disinformation going on around our communities about how we are part of the um, an operative to spread COVID um, Jews. Because when there's disease, um, you can certainly at some point find in extremist groups that somehow the Jews are to blame. Um, and then, of course, we, we've seen the AAPI, what's been going on in the API community um, make national headlines as well. Then, of course, what happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement, which really took center stage um, and all the racial reconciliation that has yeah. gone on since then. Um, we're just we're just firing on all cylinders on all fronts, to be honest. Seth. Yeah. yeah and, and it comes down. So with anti-Semitism, a lot of it does come down to education. And how, I'm at, what's the process of trying to keep the Holocaust into the school curriculum so that it's people are educated on that. Yeah, um, it's actually a, fed a federal um, bill um, that mm. we've been lobbied for, and I forget the name of it, so forgive me. Um, but um, luckily, here in Georgia, we actually um, have every single school district has to bring Holocaust education to their schools, um, which is amazing. That's not the same in all four of our states. Uh, so um, that is something that ADL works on to lobby to make sure the Holocaust education is included um, in every single school. Right. No, that makes sense. I, I didn't realize there was a bill on that. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's uh, it's endless, the amount of work you all are doing uh, and it's appreciated. Uh, mm -hmm. And with the with are you getting a lot of uh, inquiries, people coming to the website? And is that is that mostly where people are going to if someone's uh, feels injustice or whatnot, they're going to come to your website here? Yeah, I think people are more familiar with just the general ADL.org uh -huh. website. Um, and we see a couple hundred thousand views nationally 
each week um, to our website. And just depending on what the news cycle is of the day, if John right. is on CNN or if Oren Siegel, who's the um, the VP of our Center on Extremism, if he's on, on the media, people are curious, right? And they go to our ADL website. And what's really interesting, and I don't have um, the facts and figures in front of me, but depending on what the news cycle is of the day, there are certain key words that people search for and then find us. Um, mm. Whether it's Black Lives Matter and somehow they find ADL, or whether it's QAnon and they find us. Um, <laughs> there are certain key words that, and certain depending on what's going on in the media, that bring people to ADL because we house information and resources on nearly every issue that could fall under hate that you can imagine. Um, and you will find it on our ADL.org website, AtlantaADL.org, um, just to speak to this um, great website that is here today. Um, that is more specifically on, on any news and issues around our four states in the region um, or any events or programs in our four states. Um, and our ADL.org website, which is our national website, is like um, we have a whole team that, that, that handles that and manages that. Yes. So it is much more up to date, if you will. Um, my, me and my team, we, we uh, handle the AtlantaADL.org website as best as we can. And now you have events that are uh, that that you host. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, concert uh, in concert from last year. What was what was that? Sure. So I don't know how much time you have because there's a lot. So um, <laughs> oops. Oh, I'm back. Uh, so the concert. Uh, the concert it actually originated in D.C. Uh, Washington D.C. started a concert about 27 years ago. Um, what has transformed into a mega event? 2,000 people millions of dollars raised each year at the Kennedy Center, a beautiful showing of solidarity um, for ADL and its mission. And uh, each year would highlight honorees that are essentially local heroes, people who made, stood up and made a difference and we lift them up um, with voices from different actors and celebrities. Um, it's, it's a really remarkable event. Mm -hmm. And of course there's music. Um, and it was from the National Symphony Orchestra. In 2019, um, ADL Southeast, uh, where uh, here based in Atlanta, we decided to do our own concert, um, which was a little bit different, um, but kind of uh, taking some um, cues, if you will, from the DC concert. And we honored Arthur Blank and Atlanta United. It was at the Coca-Cola Roxy. And we brought in talent like the Atlanta Drum Academy, which are young hmm. kids, like ages five to 16, who played drums for us. Um, we uh, had uh, Galactic from New Orleans. Uh, oh, yeah, I love Galactic. Well, Ben's a uh, you know, interesting fact about their sax player, uh, mm -hmm. Ben. Do you know that he was uh, also in the New Orleans Klezmer All-Stars? I did not know that. That makes yes, sense yes. why he wanted to be part of it. That's awesome. Uh -huh. Uh, so it was, an, it was an amazing event, super fun at the Coca-Cola Roxy. Then, of course, last year we planned to do it again. COVID. Um, so what we did was kind of a marriage of the two. Um, the DC concert, um, again, which had such a, a, like a long reputation of just being an excellent event, became national and became a virtual. So Deborah Messing was the host, and we had amazing um, talent from Aloe Black to Andra Day to Jason Isbell, one of my favorites. Oh, he's great, yeah. Yeah, big, big fan. Um, and uh, and it was just a, and also um, honored um, really remarkable people in the fight against hate. And so we're planning on doing a little bit of a hybrid this year, um, and we're still in motion. But definitely look out. We are going to have an Atlanta concert against hate come this December, and the national concert will be included. So much more to come. Well, as your rock chenier, I will be paying close attention to that. <laughs> uh, and then you also, um, I'm going to show this graphic and it, it may be, uh, you may want to comment on it a little yeah. bit more, but um, talk about this. 
Sure. Um, so last year, um, during you know the start of COVID, we decided that we really need to keep people informed. And so we started a webinar series called Speaking Out in the South, and just highlighted um, our different community partners, some of um, the work that we're doing, and just had different topics and categories and had, you know, really great viewership and a lot of interest. Um, and, you know, now that we're kind of getting back into to real life, we've, you know, slowed down a little bit on how often we started and uh, often we're um, putting these out. But the great news is because we had such, we have such incredible panelists um, for this um, program, this is actually now being taken over by ADL nationally. And so the Speaking Out in the South, while that is our ADL Southeast branding, it is now being taken over by Fighting Hate from Home, hmm. um, which is ADL's national webinar series, um, which gets a lot more viewership. So um, our, our panelists are really lucky to, to get that national attention. So we're quite excited to, to be lifted up in that way. Awesome. And that's uh, next Thursday, right? Next Thursday. Um, I think the time might be changing, to be perfectly honest. So I can't say mm. when, but follow us at atlanta.adl.org uh, because we will be updating the flyer. It will be on the website. And frankly, if you get ADL emails, you will hear about this. All right. And speaking of all of this stuff, all these programs, these concerts, this the investigations, all of this, it takes money. Oh, and sure. where does this money come from? Is it individual donations? Is it foundations? Talk a little bit about the funding process. Sure. Um, so it's a little bit of all of it. Um, so when I started um, back in 2018, it was really mostly individual giving and a little bit from events and um, realized that there was so much opportunity in from foundations, from corporations, and so started to lean in uh, more to that. And so now I would say, um, kind of like basic percentage-wise, about um, a little less than a third. So we have like 25 to 27% of the funds that come in come from our ADL board, who are extremely generous, and we're very mm. fortunate to have them. Um, about 15 to 20% I'm hoping for more this year because we're going to do it even more asks um, come from foundations and corporations. And then another 25 to 30% come from our events. And then the rest from everyday people who send in their money, who um, are major givers, who um, really care about ADL's work, um, kind of make up, make up the rest of that. So it's really quite a mix of, of you know, all different types of people, um, all backgrounds who, who give to ADL and support ADL. And I should mention, I think this is really important, um, that when, when I started at, in ADL in 2014, it was like majority, large majority of those who give were Jewish or were Jewish organizations and foundations. Um, Jonathan Greenblatt taking helm and um, us really professionalizing ADL's work really um, brought in a new cadre of support and le um, leadership. And now we have a much more diverse mix of funders and philanthropists from all backgrounds, um, which is pretty exciting as well. Wow. Yeah, that that's actually an interesting statistic there. I didn't realize that. Um, all right. Well, that that's fantastic. Now, one other thing I want to bring up. Uh, so your position's changed a little bit since in the last year, right? Can you talk a little bit not only about how your position's changed, but how you came to the, uh, to the realization that, hey, we need to make a change and this is the change we need to make. So if you can share some of your insights there. Absolutely. So I keep talking about the ADL Southeast region, um, which covers four states. And the way that ADL has been structured for 
I think since 1913, um, has been in this regional structure where there are 25 regional offices across the United States with an office in Israel as well, all reporting to um, the Community Support Center or our headquarters in New York. Um, two years, a little over, less than two years ago, excuse me, um, they uh, started doing some planning and just started doing some strategic um, mapping um, as an organization. And we realized that there was a lot of duplication of efforts, duplication of roles across the different regions. And there wasn't really efficiencies, frankly, um, to, for us to do our work. And so early last year, and we moved into a divisional model. And so what that means um, is that there are five divisions across the United States, which are geographic, and um, each division encompasses a number of regions. So um, in my role, so uh, I, before I was the director of development for the ADL Southeast, which covers Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee. And I was promoted um, a few months ago to director of philanthropic outreach for the ADL Southern Division, a brand new role, um, in which case the Southern Division houses um, the ADL Southeast office, our New Orleans office, which covers three states, our Florida office, and our St. Louis office. Um, so now we have nine states under the division, but still have our regional voice. Um, people on the ground, in the regions, doing the work. Um, the idea of the divisional structure, and my role and, a, and my colleagues in the division, is to do some project management, some coaching, some strategy, admin support um, because it was just too much for HQ to handle 25 regional offices asking for different things. Now right. we're just centralized and um, make, become more of an efficient agency. And is your donor database pretty much shared across ADL so that you're not crossing and hitting the same people over and over and that sort of, of stuff? Yeah, we yeah. use Salesforce, um, which uh, is a CRM system that we moved sure. into a couple of years ago. It's uh, the fancy one. <laughs> We're very fancy. Uh, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of, of donors yeah. in the system. Um, yeah. So we, we really need a, a sophisticated system to keep up to Oh, it. yes. Yeah, you don't get a more sophisticated than Salesforce. I, I use uh, Zoho, which is a great startup uh, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, Salesforce is, I mean, it's it the bells and whistles and the tweaks and all the add-ons, it's like mind-blowing. But that's that's why they have a huge building in Buckhead and uh, around the country. And they're a huge company and they they they, they, they rock. They do well, and yeah, we're and we're still in the process of building and oh, learning. We'll what never we stop need. building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. The, I mean, when you start getting with data, it's it doesn't stop. You know, it's just you want to look at it, twist it this way, twist it that way. Show yeah. me this. You know, it's the magic wand. That's true, and I would should say too, just in terms of like like asking people for double money or like other kinds mm -hmm. of like duplications. I mean, what's amazing about ADL, and I've worked at other organizations, is that there's there's really no competition. It's really a family. It's one unit. So if I have a donor, um, Atlanta, who's moving to D.C., I share it, of course, with the D.C. office. Or if they split their time between, let's say, Denver and Atlanta, which is actually mm -hmm. the case, you know, we split the money depending on what the donor. It's really based on what the donor wants to do. Um, yeah. And we well, completely abide by that. So here's a question for you. Um, I think of ADL, and I think of donors, and I think of like my parents, and I think of my grandparents. Well, they're no longer here, but you know, like, but they would, they would, they would be, they would give. And I'm wondering about the younger generation because mm -hmm. it's so important what you, the work you all do. And and let, let's face it, you know, our parents and our grandparents lived through different times where, well, they they were more they're more inclined to giving. And I'm curious how you're tapping into the younger generation, the millennials coming into the giving 
Yeah. I mean, millennials give differently. And this is like a longer conversation that oh, sure. many, many philanthropists um, and fundraiser kind of talks about. But ultimately, we've had something called our Glass Leadership Institute for a couple of decades, actually, maybe it's been like 30 years, um, where we train the next cadre of young leaders. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that and just doesn't mean young leaders in terms of activists, but also means in terms of training the next philanthropists. So we have hundreds of GLI alumni just, again, in the ADL Southeast, but think about it across the country. Um, and, and you know, a number of them are now on our board. Um, you know, uh-huh. they, were, they went through a program in their 20s, and now, you know, they're in their 40s, 50s, and, you know, they care deeply about ADL. And each year, we, we continue to bring that program, and so to train young people. Um, so that's a big part. I know in some of the other regions, um, they also do, like, special events or have, like, a young philanthropy giving circle and other kinds Kinds of things we're not resourced for that at the moment but um we definitely get some younger people giving and i think you know the fact that we're in media we're on social media you know it's not your grandmother's adl um and it's just even you can note by our logo which we updated i think three years ago now um mm-hmm. it there it, it used to look more uh, look like an older logo if you will um and your you know your grandparents gave to a different logo and now it's it's more upbeat it's uh, pressure, sounds, yeah. and um, that's how we think. We're and we're, we're getting to those people. Awesome. Well, yeah, you're right. It is a whole conversation that um, one that I'm very interested in. I know a lot of nonprofits are. Maybe uh, maybe another season we'll 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 loop back and we'll we'll uh, dive into that a little bit more. Um, all right. Well, uh, is there anything we didn't hit that you wanted to talk about? Uh, great question. I can't remember what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> I feel like I covered most of it. I mean, I, I'm really grateful to be on here. Like, this is really cool. And uh, if anyone has ever any questions, you know, Elsa, feel free to email me directly. Um, I'm happy to, to, you know, share my email out. Um, uh, feel free to go to her Facebook. There's tons of photos. <laughs> LinkedIn. I love a, I love yes. a LinkedIn message. You can feel free to do that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, our mission to, to Seth's point, which you mentioned earlier, is has really never been more important. Um, it's a really trying times. And so um, just appreciate any support that we can get. Awesome. Well, folks, please visit the website, atlanta.adl.org, also adl.org, uh, and consider making a donation. You can, And if you're just tuning in, go back and hear all the reasons why. There's so many. Um, all right. Well, before I let you go, Erica, with uh, two T's on the green blatt. Um, before I let any of my guests go, I always ask my guests to recommend a future guest. Is there an organization in which you would like to recommend to be here on Coffee Connections? Sure. So I was thinking about this, and you know, it is June. It is Pride Month, and so we should be allies to our um, LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And so, in that vein, um, I'd love to recommend Chris Lugo of the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they put together events and programs to lift up the LGBTQ community, the incredible programs that they do. Um, It's a nonprofit organization, believe it or not, but it lifts up LGBTQ businesses and we partner with them Mm -hmm. a lot. So I would definitely recommend reaching out. Awesome. And I'd love to learn more about all the, I mean, it sounds like there's got to be an endless number of organizations that, that, that um, you partner with because it's, uh, it's gotta be a, That'll be a lot. All right. Well, yes. hey, thank you so much. I appreciate the introduction there, Erica. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks for everything you do that the ADL does. Uh, and um, look forward to learning more uh, and paying up. Uh, I signed up on the newsletter, so I'll be uh, welcoming all those emails coming in. And I recommend everyone else does as well. So thank you so much, Erica. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. 
And later on next week, Tuesday, we've got Open Hands Atlanta. And then on Thursday, we close our June series out with Camp Twin Lakes. Super excited about that. So tune back in next week, folks. And go to coffeeconnections.live for all Coffee Connections past, current, and, well, you can see what's coming in the future.